0: the nursery tonight so she didn't have to hear my preaching. She easily volunteered for that. I don't know how it worked out so well, but she just wants a break from it for some reason there. So, and um, But talking about homeless and things like that, the Emanuel Baptist Rescue Mission, we've supported them for years, and a lot of you know that rescue mission very well. It's been going through a very, very tough time with Brother Cole passing away and then some <laughs> drugs going in and out of the place recently. A lot of issues going on. Everything's been cleaned up now, but they're not. And and I don't know why things like this happen. But um, Brother Cole, a couple years before he passed away, asked me to join the board. So I'm on the board for the rescue mission. But the board literally does nothing. And so literally, um, the board is just, we've got a new, they, I okay, we'll put it this way. There's a new guy in place, and I didn't vote on the matter. I kept out of it because uh, there's a lot of things that need to change around there. Well, the guy reached out that they need some help with things. So I, being on the board and wanting to see that thing succeed, I'm going to, for a while, I'm going to go out once a week and preach there. Do I have time for it? No, but I'm going to. I'm going to help them. But with that being said, if we, we're going to do it, we're going to get back to our church we will go there once a month, and so, probably a Tuesday evening once a month. And so, and we'll need people that will want to sing and do stuff like that. I want to, um, they said that they've got some people that come in and speak off and on, but they're like, the thing they asked me, we'd like a pastor just to come and help us. So, I'm going to do that on Tuesday nights going forward for a little bit. But they need some things. If you have any old men's clothing, If you have clothing, or you can find some, get me some. The 11th of April is when I'm going to go for the first time. So they also need bedding for twin beds. So if any of that stuff you could get together in the next couple weeks, and you want to be a blessing to the rescue mission, that would be a help. And so that will be on April 11th. That Tuesday is when I'll be going there and starting. Well, actually, I'm going to go... A week from Saturday, I'm going Saturday the 20, the April 1st, April Fool's Day. I'm gonna go there on April Fool's Day, and then the 11th after that. So, if uh, anybody can gather those things, that'd be good, and so we can be a blessing because we need that. LA needs that rescue mission, and we need to help get things going. And I I think the Lord worked me into there somehow to help with things like this now, because you can just see they need help, and so our church is gonna help and do what we can. And so don't worry, it's not going to take anything away from you. I'll just add it to, I have a bunch of free time, so I'll just add into to my free time, and we'll just find there. Chapter number 8 tonight, Romans chapter number 8 tonight. And I just talked about preaching there once a week, and I, I haven't even told my wife about that one yet. I should have probably told her before I told all of you. So she's not in here tonight, so don't be sharing that with her until I talk to her about that one later on. So Romans chapter number 8. I would have waited to do it, but I forgot about that. So Romans chapter 8. Let's get into the message and forget you heard all that. But remember, any any bedding and clothes, that would be great. And so Romans 8, look with me. Now, now we've been in these verses, and we've looked at the beginning of the chapter about no condemnation. I want you to see tonight in verse number 12. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are dead to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And we look at that, you think about that fact. You don't owe your flesh nothing tonight. Do you realize that? You don't. Your flesh has done nothing but hurt you your entire life. Your flesh wants nothing, but it says, your flesh thinks it wants your happiness, but it's not your happiness the flesh is after. It's fulfilling its own desires. We are not debtors. What has the flesh done for us? Except get us in trouble. Think on that one tonight. That's all the flesh has done is get us in trouble. We're not debtors to the flesh. We should be debtors to the Lord after all that he's done. Look at verse number 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now when you look at that, so only if you're led by the Spirit are you a son. That's not what it's saying there. But only the children of God are the ones who have the Spirit in them. That's what this is trying to say. Verse number 15 have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the Spirit, capital S, of the Spirit of Adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified Together Now hold your place here and go with me to Galatians chapter number 4. Galatians chapter number 4. I wasn't planning on using these verses tonight, but I feel that we should. So we're going there. Galatians chapter number 4. And look with me. It says in verse number 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, and just so you don't feel it's not including you, sons and daughters here, okay? It's a general term. Because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have tonight as we look at this wonderful topic of adoption. We thank you for what you've done in our lives and what you're doing. We thank you for the Spirit of God. And may we take into account, as we've looked at the past several weeks, what the Spirit of God does. Help us to continue to learn tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We, a few weeks ago, we were going to just brush over the Spirit of God and what He does in our lives. And I'm like, no, we're going to go into an in depth detail what He does. We talked about how the Holy Spirit regenerates us and regeneration. We looked at how that um, last week, we looked at how the Spirit of God indwells us and how we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Tonight, I want you to look at the fact that the Spirit of God area of adoption. And we're, that's what it says here. You look at our text. We read there, it says, Receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The fact that we before salvation had no father. Now, if you want to get really down to it, you could say that the devil is the father, Right? But even at the end of the day, I don't think he really wants to claim us as his own. He wants to take people down. He wants to mess up their lives. But he has no, he doesn't want to be their father. He just wants to mess them up. And in this room tonight, we have lots of different cases when it comes to people and their dads. Some in this room have lost their dad, their earthly father. And some had a great relationship with their earthly dad. And then some in the room did not have quite the great relationship with their dad. And so, and a lot of times we look at it, and I'm grateful for the dad that God gave me. And he's still with us. Praise God for that. A good man that loves his wife, loves his family, and brings security to his family. I don't think there's nothing greater a dad can do for his home than to love his wife and love his children and bring security to that family. That's, what, that's how it should be. And so when we look here, we think about the fact that before Christ, before what he did, we really were on our own. You look, and sometimes we, get, we look in our world today, and we get tired of it. I know, especially we look in California You drive down certain streets, and there's tents up all over the place. There's guys walking into In-N-Out, having a good old conversation with themselves, not smelling very good. And we look, and, and the thing is, we've grown, I don't know how to word it. You go with me sometime, and you go down to the rescue mission with me. And you go down Fifth and Crocker there in downtown L.A. And in all reality, though, it's a lot different than what it was when I was a kid. Nowadays, most of them have cell phones out there, and drugs are the biggest problem. And the state doesn't help them rehabilitate, they help them be what they are. It's pretty sad when the governor tries to give hotel rooms to every homeless person, and they don't want them. They want to be there. It's different than how it used to be. And, but it would do our children and our young people good to go drive down on 5th and Crocker and see, and it used to be it was all cardboard boxes that they had put up. And then the rain would come. It's a little different now. Now they use tents. They got figured a little bit better now with the tents. But sometimes we look at the homeless and we, I look at them a little differently. Because I know where I was before Jesus. Now, today the homeless, they have programs, they have different things, and a lot of times they could change some of the things if they really wanted to. Before Christ, we had no hope. There's nothing that could change anything. We were homeless, and if you want to say we had a home, we were going to hell. We had nothing. We're clothed in the rags of our sin, wretched, poor, lost and lonely within. But just as sometimes, and the other day I ran into a guy, and uh, he came up and asked me for money. I don't just give money out. I also just don't carry cash. Because if I carry cash, I always give it away. And I don't lie. I don't say I don't have cash and have cash in my pocket. I remember a while back I went into Stater's and uh, there was a guy out there. And it was Walmart. Sorry, Walmart. And he was with the, uh, you know how they have those homes, that the Christian homes? Those Christian homes are pretty interesting because they just have those guys sell candy bars all the time to make money for that home. It's interesting how that all works. But remember the guy and I said, I have no cash. And then I'm checking out in Walmart there. And I pull out my pocket, and there's a $20 bill in my pocket. So when I walked out, I gave him the 20. I didn't take the candy. I said, "Do whatever with the candy, but I had so I don't carry cash. But the other day I had cash in my pocket, and this guy, I'm just hungry, I just want food." I said, "Well, Burger King's right here. let's go in." I got him a burger. showed a little compassion to the guy. gave him a gospel track. Tried to talk to him a little bit about Jesus. It didn't go super far. But to think that God saw us in that state. And he didn't look at us and just shake his head and walk by. He didn't ignore the problem. But with wondrous compassion, the king of all kings, in pity and love, he picked us up. and said, you can be part of my family. And you don't have to pay big money to be in my family. You don't ever have to say you're never going to do anything wrong again. You just have to believe that my son died for you. And you can have all my riches. You can have all that's mine given to you. You and I didn't have any choices when it came to the kids that we have. When they come out, they are who they are. You didn't get to go to a machine and say, I want a kid that has this personality, this color hair, this or that. I want a boy. No, you just, whatever it is, that's the way the Lord made it to be. And sometimes you see when people adopt children and they get to know those kids. And what goes into an adoption? An adoption's different. And even with an adoption, you don't know every little detail about the kid, but you know a lot. God got to see everything about you and I and knows every detail about us. And in spite of what he read and what he saw and what he knows, he still chose us. That's why sometimes you hear people, I just don't feel like anybody loves me. What? what, what God loves you. He chose you. You matter to him. We look at this passage tonight and we see that the spirit of God, we see the spirit of adoption. We go from being outsiders, not a part of God's family, not even part of God's race, God's people. Complete outsiders. And yet we get to enter the throne room of God and cry out to our Father tonight because we've been adopted. When we talk about the fact that we've been adopted, I want to talk about three aspects of it tonight. First of all, number one, I want to talk about the adoption. The adoption. Verse fourteen and fifteen tells us, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba Father. When we talk about the fact of this adoption, number letter A, we see the fact that we have a new family. We have a new family. We become, as it says there, the sons and the daughters of God. Things change. We're removed from the family of Adam, and we're placed into the family of God tonight. We are literally God's children. First John chapter number three, verse one through three, says, "Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God." Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope is purified himself, even as he is pure. And as we think about that verse there, and we think about the fact God loved us so much that he led that we're able to be his children. The love that was displayed on the cross for you and I and because of that love we are now the children of God. The Bible talks about that as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. What a blessing that is. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 verse number 9 the same passage be ye are not in the flesh But in the Spirit, if so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And we see about the fact that the Spirit living in us is what makes us a part of God's family. That's what separates. You hear people often, we're all children of God. That is not a Bible truth. You hear a lot of politicians use that phrase. You hear a lot of Christians. To use that phrase. We're all God's children. No, we are children of wrath. Children of the devil. Till salvation we become God. You say, well, we're, we're made in the image of God. That is true. But if you were, and we could take the time. Go with me to Genesis real quick. And this isn't in your notes. This is extra tonight. I'm giving you a lot of extra tonight. We're only at 7.06. We're fine. But go to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. Now go with me to chapter number 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Verse 1 there. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their names Adam in the day that they were created. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth now i know you could look and say well god created man in god's image god did create adam in his image but when adam had children was it before the fall or after the fall after right that's not a fall. that was after the fall so we are made in the likeness of God, but in all reality, we are fashioned and after the image of Adam, which is spiritually dead, because God is not spiritually dead. So right there, you have a great example of the fact that we are, we're after Adam, right? In his likeness. And Adam was a different man at this time than what he was before salvation, and so, you can look at that. If you've got more questions, I can answer that later on. But just a little thought there. And so, we see the fact, though, that because of adoption, we have a new family. And not only do we have a new family, and aren't you glad to be a part of God's family? You've got a whole lot of new brothers and sisters. And you don't even like all of them, but you've got a whole lot of new brothers and sisters. Not only do we have a new family, but let her be, we have a new father. We have a new father. Verse 15, as we see there, look at what it says. For the law of the spirit of life, or verse 15 says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That's why, we. do you see that there? You haven't been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's why the Bible tells us, what is it in Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Because you don't have to fear tonight. This world wants you to fear. But let me help you with something. You know why you don't have to, you think about children when they fear and have fears. And children do, don't they? And they have fears over the weirdest things at weirdest times. And we're not going to talk about adults and the fears that they have because we all have fears. We do. But that's what, and I think about it, that's why God gives children parents, right? To help take away those fears, When my children get scared, where do they go? To mom and dad. You don't have to fear. You have the spirit of adoption. You have the spirit of God, which makes it possible for you to have a relationship with the heavenly father. You have a new father. And thank God for that fact. And so as we think, you don't have to fear. You've been adopted into God's family. And oftentimes you think about this, Adopted children sometimes in this world feel like they're second-class citizens in a family. And sometimes you have the real children looking at the new child and being like, well, there's a difference between us. It's not the same. I'm the real child. You're just the whatever the case may be. And that's a wrong attitude to have, but it's really how society is. Did you know though in that day in that culture and the Roman culture was different than the Jewish culture? You know, if we look at the Jewish culture, you look at the firstborn had got a double portion and the firstborn was the most special in the family. We can look at the Old Testament over and over again. The firstborn was something special and the firstborn is who you wanted to be. That's why when you look at Jacob not giving Reuben, the firstborn, the blessing, but where the blessing went and things that just the firstborn was always that one. But in Roman, what happened was, and the way it worked in Roman law, when adoption took place, you were adopted forever. You couldn't change it. You couldn't return the kid. Nope. I didn't know he's gonna cry all night long and act this way. I bringing him back. No. You adopt the kid. They are yours forever. That's the way it worked in Roman law. You're a, that son and that father, that relationship was forever. And the adopted son, get this, had just as much rights as a real son had. Think about that one. And the adopted son, when he was adopted, lost all—think about this, or how do I want to word this? He lost all the rights that he had in his old family. If his family owed a bunch of debts, those debts were erased from him. He was in a new family. He was in that family. He could never lose that relationship. And he also received as much inheritance as any other kid in the family did. When we come to the family of God through adoption, we have a new family, we have a new father. See, we have a new freedom. That bondage to the flesh is gone, yet we still live in that bondage today. There's a lot that I could say there. You have the freedom. What's the freedom? To go to your Heavenly Father and call out to Him, Abba, Father, Dad, You know, there are a lot of kids that could come up and, uh, and call me dad. But there's four kids that call me dad that it really matters. They're my kids. Now, all your kids that are here, I would do a lot for them and do anything I could to help them. But my kids are my kids. You know, if I'm in a meeting, I told my family before, if I'm in my office in a meeting, they're welcome to come in. Why? They're my family. My wife can barge in on any meeting I'm having. If I'm in a meeting and she calls, I answer the phone. I do. She hasn't called me during church, and hopefully she never tries that one. That might be the one time I will not answer. In, in preaching the word of God, I think be the. I don't know. That hasn't happened. Don't any of you go tell her to call me sometime when I'm preaching. That would be wrong to do. But my kids, they can go in my office anytime they want. Why? They're my kids. Now, a lot of your kids go to my office whenever they want to, but that's, that's another story for another time. And, um, but when it comes to God, we all have those rights. As Jesus could cry out to his Father and talk to his Father, you and I have the same freedom to go to God and to speak to him. We've been adopted. We're in a new family, a new father, and we have... That new freedom, which leads to number two, the assurance that comes from adoption. The assurance. We talk about the fact that the spirit of adoption, right? We've talked about this here tonight. We look at verse number 16. It says that the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Not only have we been adopted into the family of God, but we're given assurance day after day. That's why God didn't make it. God doesn't want you to doubt your salvation. These things that i written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you have eternal life. He wants you to have it settled. There are far too many Christians who don't have it settled. And you know, and the problem is, I don't think, and be careful how I word this, because I know there are many people that differ on this thing. I don't think your view of God can be right. If you doubt yourself, if you, not, not if you doubt, because we know where doubt comes from. But if you believe that God only saved you and he can take that from you, I don't think that you really believe the God of the Bible and what the Bible says. The Bible says that nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. That means nothing. There's nothing that can. He loves you. He wants you to be assured. He gave you his spirit. He sealed you. He's sealed And we're going to talk about that seal. That's probably going to be in the next few weeks we're going to talk about being sealed by the Spirit, how He seals us. And so when we think about this assurance, there's a couple things that come to mind. Letter A, we see our communion with the Lord. We have, it says there that, that, and you think about this, He never leaves us, the Spirit. He never forsakes us. He's always there. The Holy Spirit of God. And we have that relationship And praise God for that relationship. We think about the fact of what Jesus said in John 14, 16-18. And I pray the Father that he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. You know, sometimes we, and when we talk about salvation, we ask, have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? That's not a scriptural statement. Jesus doesn't come into your heart. He doesn't. Did you know that? When I hear people often, I need, to have Je- I need to pray, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. The Holy Spirit's the one who comes inside of us, not Jesus. There's a difference between the two, right? There is a difference, and they're one. I know, I know. And if you could get that wrapped around your mind completely and get that figured out, you tell me, you will never fully understand the Trinity and all that. But in, at the end of the day, in, you know, well, I, made, I, made, I, took, I accepted Jesus, and he's Lord of my life. No, the Spirit of God moves in when you get saved. When you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves in. And he's the one, and you know we talk about the fact that Jesus will never leave us, he never forsakes us. In all reality, inside of us it's the Spirit of God that doesn't leave us and forsake us. Now he is God just like the Son and just like the Father. But it's not Jesus that lives inside of us, it's the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives inside of us. And, we, and it would do us really good, and Christians would do really well if we would actually just say what the Bible says and not make up our own stuff. And just because it sounds good. Just like, we're all the children of God. Doesn't that, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? We're all God's children. In the world, that sounds good to them. If I go, you're a child of wrath and you're a child of the devil. That doesn't sound as nice, does it? But that's biblically Correct. And you hear people, I want Jesus in my heart. Well, Jesus doesn't go in your heart. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and into your heart and in you. We should be biblically correct in the way we say things. But anyways, sorry, that's my little tangent there, and I could say a lot more. But the fact is, it says that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I'll not leave you comfortless, I will come unto you. John sixteen, verse seven to fifteen. Nevertheless I tell you the truth, it's expedient, it's good for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment of sin. Because they believe not on me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and he see me no more of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you that you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Did you ever notice how the disciples didn't always get everything Jesus said? Did you do you, do you, want, do you get that? Remember how Jesus would have to say it time after time? Remember? He would tell them, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, and they didn't get it, and they're trying to decide who's gonna be better and who's gonna be greatest. You know why they didn't get it? They didn't have the spirit in them all the time. Is that that's a true statement? You read what we're reading right here. It says, How be it when he the spirit he will guide you in all truth. You know how later on in the book of Acts we see in some passages, and I'm using Brian's language, but they got it? Oh, they remembered and it clicked because the Spirit of God was in them. So the Spirit of God does. He assures us of these things. And also, letter B, we see that our confidence comes from Him. God wants you to be confident in Him as a believer tonight. God wants you to have those things settled. The devil wants nothing more than for us to be insecure. That's why I preach it. And a lot of Christians, a lot of people are very insecure. The sad thing is how many Christians are insecure. After all the Lord has done and putting the Spirit of God inside of us, how could you be insecure? And yet we all are. And I do it myself. When we think about this fact of becoming the spirit of adoption, we think about adoption. We have a new family, a new father. Think about the fact that we have... Um, assurance, But we also think, lastly tonight, of the inheritance to come. An inheritance to come. Look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. So we look at the end here tonight. And as we tie this up and end here tonight, we think about letter A, the fact of our privilege. What we gain, we gain so much. You think about this. What if God just said, hey, I'm going to save you, and you can, you can be my servant. We'll just leave it at that. And you can live in heaven and serve me the rest of your days. I would take that. How many, wouldn't you take that? I would take it. But God says, no, I'm going to let my son die. And my very son's going to die so that you can have an inheritance just like he has. We're going to be as He is, right? That's what the Bible says. And so when we think about that fact, we think about all that God has. Think about Luke 12, 32. The Scripture tells us, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, doesn't He? He owns it all. And what he has we get a part of you know someday I'm going to pass on from this life and hopefully there will be something I can leave for my children at this rate I don't know if there's going to be anything I might have a few bills for them to keep and uh, they could have some car payments and things like that but I hope that I have something that I leave for them Whatever the case may be. And God's given us everything. What's his is ours. Based on what Jesus has done for us. And we think about what we get, and we think about letter be our portion that we get. We're not only heirs of God, but we've been made joint heirs with Christ. We literally are given. Do you see joint heirs with Christ? Do you see that phrase there? We're given an equal share in wealth. That portion. It's amazing to me. We'll be glorified together. Why should we be glorified? And you know what I mean when I'm saying those things. Why should we have the same title with the Father as Jesus does? A son, a daughter. Why? Why? Why should we get all the things we get in heaven? But as we look at our text here, it says at the end there, if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And we see lastly, we see the promise that's made there. And I know some people will say, well that's talking about if you, well it says right there, that if you suffer with him then you're going to be, that's, you can say that all you want, but your, your being an heir is not based on you suffering or not. Christ suffered for us. But as we think about those facts and we think about these things, you could spend, we could spend the rest of the night looking at Revelation 21 through 22, seeing what we have ahead. And I just put two verses there for you in the notes, Revelation twenty-one, one. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And there shall be no more night there, and there shall be no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Do you realize the fact that once we get to be with the Lord, we're going to be like Him? You're going to have a glorified body. Have you thought about that? If you thought about the fact that you're never going to die, you're never going to die. Never. We're going to be as He is because we've been adopted into the greatest family in the world. And when the Spirit of God moves in, He regenerates us, He makes us alive, He indwells us. We're adopted through Him, and tonight you can be secure in your salvation because the Spirit of God's working in you. I had someone a while back come with me, and they're like, "Pastor, I don't think I'm saved. I don't think I'm saved." And this is someone in ministry. This is someone in ministry. So I asked them a question. I said, "Did God call you to wherever you're at?" Yeah, I know he called me. The Spirit of God moved. If the Spirit of God moves in your life, in you, you're probably a child of God. Because his Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So if the Spirit of God is working, you're probably saved. Now, you need to make sure of that. Don't, don't, well, pastor said it, so that sells it. That's not what I'm saying either. Don't, don't let you and the Lord settle your salvation. Don't let me be the one who sells it for you. You make sure with God that things are right and what they should be. But when we think about those things, and as, where was I going with that? I'm going somewhere with that, and then I saw those boys doing something over there in my mind. Remember how in prayer a little bit ago, everyone, I said, I'm glad that I pray to a God They can hear everyone praying at one time and doesn't get distracted with one person praying or anything like that. And has a one-track mind like I do. Because that's exactly it. I don't know what they did over there or if a soda spilled or what happened. But it'll get taken care of in a few minutes. But you guys caught my attention. The best thing to do if anything ever happens is just sit up and look straight. Don't have a guilty look on your face at all. Or be like my son David. Keep looking, looking, looking. Come on David. Just sit there and relax. So I really don't know what I, I was talking about the spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And see, you gotta try to grab something and I'm still trying to find my way out of the rabbit hole I went down. And If you doubt your salvation, if the Lord's worked in your life and the spirit of God has worked through his word in your life, you're probably just backsliding on the things that we've been talking about in Second Peter probably need to get back in those things. God wants you to be confident in him. Not confident in yourself. Christians get that wrong too. We're very confident in ourselves. We got, Paul said, I realize that in me and in my flesh dwells no good thing. I don't want you to be confident in yourself. I want you to be confident in him and his love. And I want you to be secure, not in yourself, but secure in him. Does that make sense? Because you're in his family And when you're in the Lord's family It's all going to be alright And thank God we're a part of that wonderful family Father